Revelation 6, 1 and 2. Notice here it says, Now I saw when the land, Lamb had opened one of the seals, and I heard one of the four living creatures saying with a loud voice like thunder, Come and see. And I looked, and behold, a white horse. And he who sat on it had a bow, and a crown was given to him, and he went out conquering and to conquer. Now, instead of just jumping in right here, I think it would serve us well to do a little bit of a recap, a little bit of a review, starting with just that promise that we saw right in the beginning of this book, the Revelation of Jesus Christ is its full title, where we read in Revelation 1-3 about a blessing. Does anyone like blessings here tonight? I'm, I'm very pro-blessing. I hope you are too. And if you are not pro-blessing, that's not a spiritual position. That's a place of sickness. God loves you. He wants to bless us. And I say, Lord, bring all the blessings that you want to pour out on my life. Revelation 1-3 says, Blessed is he who reads and those who hear the words of this prophecy and keep those things that are written in it for the time is near. And the time near that's being talked about is the day of the Lord. Again, that last seven years period in this dispensation called the Great Tribulation, the day that's near again, that's also talking about the Lord coming for his church. And what we've looked at over and over again, an event that's called the catching away of the saints or the rapture. Now listen, a lot of people, when you start talking about these things, even when you bring up the book of Revelation, they start getting, you know, fearful and so forth. And yet the Lord says, blessed are those who read and hear and then keep the things written in the book. And I like to always throw that out there. And I think it's good to occasionally remind us of that as we're going through these end time studies, because, uh, you know, Satan's a fear monger and he wants to stir up fear in our hearts. And as believers, we not we we don't need to fear anything. God's on the throne and God's going before us. And uh, you know what? Blessings found in those again that get in and dig and get into the scriptures, even books like the book of Revelation. And then I also want to point out, and this is pertinent to where we are tonight, the outline that's found in the book of Revelation. And we looked at this a few times, and it's very important in studying this book. Because there's this idea that the book of Revelation is hard to understand. And it really isn't if you take it at its word. We get an outline right in the first chapter of the book that breaks down the order of things. Remember there in Revelation 1.19 it says, Write the things which you have seen, the things which are, and the things which will take place after this. This is what the Lord told to John, the apostle on that island of Patmos, when, remember, we see him in the Spirit. And the Holy Spirit moves on him to pin these things as he's caught up into the third heavens. And so we've seen the things that John writes about concerning the things which he has seen or the things that he saw. Revelation 1, 1 and 2 shows us what those things are. The first part of this outline, right? The things which you have seen. And so notice Revelation 1, 1. The revelation of Jesus Christ, which God gave him to show his servants, the things which must take place, excuse me, which must shortly take place. He said and signified it by his angel to his servant, John. And then notice here, who bore witness to the word of God and to the testimony of Jesus Christ to all the things that he saw. So the things that he saw were the things that he, again, was a first-hand witness to concerning the ministry of Christ here on earth. We know that John was one of the Lord's 12 disciples. He saw the ministry of the Lord. He saw the death of the Lord, the resurrection of the Lord, and so forth. And those things are written about in this book, especially in the first chapter. There's mention of the redeeming of the saints by the shed blood of the Lamb. And then next he says, write the things which are. And we've talked about how we are still in the place in revelation of the time of the things which are because the things which are that he writes about are concerning the church concerning the church age or as some call it the age of the gentiles this time that we're in when god took his attention though he has never forgot israel he took his attention away from israel and we read about this in the book of romans and he grafted in a wild branch in spreading the gospel to the Gentile world and what we call the church being birthed. 
Gentiles coming to faith in Christ, not through Judaism, but directly to the cross, which includes a remnant of Jews, this time that is called the church age. Again, it's the time that we're in right now. And that's signified there in Revelation 1.11, where it says, I am the Alpha and the Omega, the first and the last. And what you see, write it in a book. And notice, send it to the seven churches which are in Asia. And he lists them. And so we've looked at those letters to those churches in Asia. We saw that they were written at that time for those specific churches. We also saw how they line up with church history, that each church really clearly represents different periods in church history down to the day that we are at. And absolutely, we saw in those letters at the end where it says, he who has an ear to hear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches, not the church. And let me ask you tonight, is Jesus your Lord? You know, I was going to ask it, is your Lord and Savior? Can you say amen to that? Then listen, by his grace through faith in him, You've been grafted in. You are adopted son and daughter of God. You are a member of the Lord's church. We are in the time of the church age that John is writing about. And so all those letters that we wrote about are pertaining to us. And then we came to Revelation chapter 4. And it's interesting. In verse 1 he says, after these things. So again, we see that key again. The things which you saw. The things which are. And then the things which must take place uh, after this. And we see where that break is. Revelation 4.1. After these things I looked and behold a door standing open in heaven. And the first voice which I heard was like a trumpet speaking with me saying. Come up here and I will show you the things which must, must take place after this. Immediately I was in the spirit and behold a throne set in heaven and one sat on the throne. So what's the things? After this, you say, what happened before? It's the church age. It's the time that we're in right now. And we talked about this, how it's very interesting. The way John is caught up into heaven, it fits the description of the rapture of the church spoken of in Paul's letters to those in Thessalonica, where he talks about the Lord coming back with a trumpet, the dead in Christ being raised first. It's their spirits coming back with the Lord, their bodies being called up from the earth then being changed in the twinkling of an eye where the bible talks about mortality being swallowed up by immortality and it talks about those that are on the earth at that time being caught up with them in the clouds to meet the lord in the air and it says to comfort one another with these words i mean that's very comforting and so this is where again the pre-tribulation rapture view of end times events comes in We look at the outline there in the scripture, the church age, this picture of Paul or excuse me, of John very much looking like the church in the way that the Lord takes them up. But even more so, the things which must take place after this, because up to this point, the word church is used over and over again. You don't see it used, but one more time, I believe it's in Revelation 20 at the end of the tribulation that we're going to start into tonight. We also saw again As we looked at Revelation 4 and 5, because in a minute here tonight, we're going to start into the actual tribulation of the church. So what does he see after this, after which we perceived as the church age? What's he see there in Revelation 4 and 5 as Paul's getting this vision in heaven? We made a case for him seeing the raptured church in heaven, the church in its fullness with the Lord in glory. Now, this isn't in your notes there, but if you want to take notes, I'll give you eight things that we looked at that signifies this group we see in heaven is the church. And we talked about this in previous studies. Number one, he sees 24 thrones with 24 elders on those thrones. And so it's a picture of fullness. Also, an elder is always a representative of others. Listen, if an elder, an elder can only be an elder if there's youngers or there's people that an elder's leading. Otherwise, that's, that's not an elder if you really break it down. So he sees 24 thrones with 24 elders. And remember, in the letters to the church, one of the words of encouragement that the Lord gives to the church was, to he overcomes, I will have you sit on a throne with me as I sit on a throne with my father. So that's a description of the church. 
that's a promise given to the church to all the church we also saw that group there having white robes another promise god gave to the church in the times that are in those letters we looked at is he overcomes i'll give him a white robe and that is representative of the righteousness of christ when you come to christ you get covered by the life of christ you get covered by his righteousness that's good news outside of christ we're under the law and we're seen as sinners we're foul we can't enter into glory because god's not bringing sin into his kingdom but jesus shed his blood for us he atoned for our sins he rose from the grave that when we put faith in him we get covered by the grace of god by the shed blood of jesus as i say all the time we're no longer under the law that damns us but we're under the grace of god that saves us we're clothed with the robe of righteousness tonight in christ jesus you have that clothing on you and we see this group clothed in white robes we also see them with crowns because remember they worship the lord in these chapters and they take those crowns and they put them at the feet of the lord and the lord again it told those in the church he overcomes i'm just paraphrasing it i'm going to give you crowns so this is the church again we also see this 20 this group of 24 elders fall down when they find out that christ is worthy to take the scroll with the seals and we talked about how it seems real clearly that's the deed of the earth which he redeemed at the cross when he died for our sins and it says the 24 elders they begin to worship the lord because they say you've redeemed us by your blood that's the church but they worship god and it says that they say you've redeemed us out of every tribe tongue people and nations excuse me there's more than 24 languages in the world more than 24 tongues peoples and nations and so forth obviously the lord gave us that insight and that this is a group that is massive it's people from the four corners of the earth who've put their faith in jesus christ and then we also saw later on in revelation when this group is addressed again they're called kings and priests in chapter one who are kings and priests it's the church again tonight if the lord is your lord and savior the bible says that we are kings and priests in christ jesus we also read that we are told the church will reign with christ we read in revelation 20 this group will reign with christ and then this is really huge it talks about this group judging i thought i was supposed to judge well the bible says he who spiritual judges all things now we need to have righteous judgments here on earth there's some things we're to judge some things we're not to judge but we read there in first corinthians where the lord told the church we're going to judge the world and we're going to judge angels that makes me very uncomfortable at this point in my life but i know at that point uh you know we're going to be redeemed in the lord so i think that we'll be able to make sound judgments and remember we saw though at the same time those that came out of the tribulation that were beheaded for their faith in christ we see that they don't judge anybody we see that they don't have thrones they don't have crowns they're not kings or priests what do we see of that group we see that they are clothed with a white robe we see that they will reign with christ with us during the thousand year millennial millennial of christ, millennial reign of christ but we also see and this is after this whole dispensation is wrapped up at the end of the great tribulation they still don't even have glorified bodies they still have souls and this is after the lord has come back with his church in revelation 19 where it talks about us being on white horses coming back with the lord so i i'm going to keep throwing that out there because it's such a strong case for the pre-tribulation rapture of the church it's to me very powerful as we identify these groups so again in four and five the after this after the church age we see the church in heaven and then we saw jesus the lamb of god taking the scroll and we talked about it being the deed of the earth how man forfeited that when he sinned in the garden how satan clearly had the deed of the earth though he was still subject to the king of the earth christ but remember when he tempted jesus he said if you bow down and worship me i'll give you all the kingdoms of the earth they're mine to give jesus didn't correct them in that but we know when christ died on the cross for our sins he not only redeemed us but the scripture says he made a public spectacle and he disarmed powers and principalities he took that deed of the earth he gave it to his father 
And then here they are in glory in this vision in Revelation 4 and 5. And the deed of the earth or the scroll is there with seven seals. And they start asking the question, who's worthy to open the scroll? And no one was found worthy in heaven, on earth or under the earth. John begins to weep profusely. And then the, re- the elder there, one of the elders reminds him, wait, there's one who's worthy to open the scroll. That's the Lamb of God. And we saw how in Jewish history, even in the word, the only one who could legally open a scroll that was bound up with a seal was the rightful owner of a land or a covenant. And so we saw that great rejoicing there in glory, where it talks about, again, the 24 elders who were redeemed by the blood of the Lord out of every tongue, people, nation, and tribe, they begin to worship God. The four living creatures begin to worship God. Angels begin to worship God. And John says that it's ten thousands times thousands times thousands. And I ask, is there a mathematician upon us? No one raised their hand, so we just concluded it's a lot. <laughs> ten, th- you know, ten thousands on ten thousands and so forth. Just this massive worship scene in heaven. And then it also talks about at that time how all of earth will explode and worship the nature in earth. Talks about, again, uh, you know, it, it talks about the creatures of the earth and earth because we talked about how the earth has been in bondage since man's sin in the garden. And it's a picture of heaven and nature on earth rejoicing because they know that that scroll is about to have the first seal broken. And really what it is, is the Lord saying, We're, it's, it's time to wrap this up. It, it's time to bring order to disorder. It's trying to bring judgment on rebellious mankind who at this point in history is at a place where they're saying we don't want you god and boy we're rapidly heading towards that right now to the time where jesus said in john 5 41 i do not receive honor from men but i know you that you have not loved you do not have the love of god in you he says i have come in my father's name and you do not receive me If another comes in his own name, him you will receive. And so it's this time when the Lord is just stepping back and he's saying to a world that does not want God, that does not want to be restrained by God. I also absolutely believe a world that does not want the people of God in this world. And I think it's another great evidence of a pre-tribulation rapture because it's a world that wants no restraints. We'll talk about this more as we get deeper into our study. It says that at this time, the restrainer will be removed. That's a frightening thing. That's a frightening thing because throughout the word of God, we see various times when God will restrain people from grievous sins. I'm convinced when we get to glory, we're going to look back at our lives and we're going to be blown away with how many times God restrained us from just vile wickedness and even greater knuckleheadedness that we already walk in in our daily lives. I'll just speak for myself. And it's going to be time when restraints are taken. This is the restrainers taken. And we've made a case for, again, the restrainer being God working through his church because we're called salt and light. And light restrains darkness and salt, it restrains rot. And it's going to be the Lord saying, finally, you want this? then I'm going to give you over to what you want. And we looked at several times in Israel's history where they embraced sin and idolatry and they rejected the Lord. And so God in his wrath gave them over to their sin. And in this time of the great tribulation, the seven-year period, also called Daniel's 70th week, it's going to be a time, again, of God pouring his wrath out upon this earth, his displeasure upon this earth, Because, listen, if you want to reject the love of God, you want to reject the gospel of God, you want to reject the mercy of God, you know what you're going to say? You get the wrath of God. Period. God is so gracious and merciful. He's shown us all great grace and mercy. So many people take that advantage and they think, well, listen, I can do whatever I want. God doesn't remember I've been getting away with this. No, that's God's grace and mercy being poured out on you giving you opportunity after opportunity to humble your heart and come to him. But the more you reject his grace and mercy, the more you stack up his wrath. And eventually a judgment day always comes. It absolutely does. And this is going to be that time of judgment. 
of God saying, finally, fine, I'm going to give you what you want. And some would say, that's great. God's going to give us what we want. And listen, in this case, it's great for maybe we'll say team God, those in Christ. We see great worship and glory. But for those that I'll just be blunt, we'll call it team Satan. Not so good. Even though they're going to think it starts so well, because when this first seal is broken, as we just read, one's going to come riding on a white horse and they're going to say, we got our savior. We got our Messiah. We got our guy. And I'll tell you, the world is ripe for a leader to rise up that would capture the hearts of this world. And I've talked a lot about this lately. You look around the world, and for the most part, especially the higher you go at political levels, it's just a pack of imbeciles. It really is. And, and, and you just see even their selfishness and their hypocrisy. And you just start asking the question, do any of these men and women really care about the people who they're supposed to be serving? You see them serving themselves continually. We saw it time and time again this past year and a half in the midst of this, you know, pandemic of a virus that you have a 99.9% survival rate on. Uh, there, I, I, I've gotten YouTube and Facebook's good graces again. I think I'm going to get shadow banned again tonight. But in the midst of that, you know, you can't do this, you can't do that. And then you see these politicians doing the exact opposite. I praise God in California, we have a recall basically because Gavin Newsom went out to dinner in Napa, you know, for an $800 plate with all the health officials and everyone saw it. And, and finally people are like, what the heck? Dude, you're flat out lying to you. You say you care about us and then you're doing this. I don't believe the, what, what you're peddling here. Because I guarantee you if that thing could kill you the way, and listen, I know people died of COVID. We're not saying there's not COVID. But amazingly, COVID got rid of the flu and the colds this last year. It's, it's just an amazing, it's a miracle from God. A miracle from the Lord. But I guarantee you, those are the most selfish people on the face of the earth. And if an 85-year-old Nancy Pelosi really could be, you know, be killed by it, she ain't getting her hair done in the middle of the day at a salon that's supposed to be shut. My point in it is these are selfish people. And I don't believe it's just on the left. I think the bulk of them on the right are flat out selfish as well. You know, it's, oh, oh, you know that's just the truth of the matter. <laughs> it's a, you, got, you got almost like one bird with two heads here. And the world is craving for someone to come along to say, I got the answers for you. And we were going to read about this individual that comes along and the world says, who is like the beast? Who's able to worship? Who's able to wage war with them? We're going to see that this guy gets resurrected from the dead, that he gets wounded in the head and resurrected as a false sign of wonder. So notice here where we're at. That's a lot of setup tonight. He says, now when I saw the lamb open one of the seals. So the breaking of the seals is starting. And what we've seen clearly is the deed of the earth, and it starts the great tribulation. So who starts the great tribulation at the end of the age? Is it the Antichrist coming and Satan deciding, hey, you know what? We need seven years and we're going to get to the Valley of Armageddon and we're going to fight God and defeat him. That's how stupid sin makes you. They're going to believe they're going to do that. But listen, this isn't Satan's uh, uh, decision here. This is no man's decision, no demon's decision, no nation's decision the tribulation will start when Jesus Christ says it's time for it to start and he breaks that first seal. Again, he redeemed the earth. He's the rightful owner of the earth. He's going to break that first seal and as the rightful owner, he's doing it to deal with trespassers on the earth. Really, that's what it is. The lamb is in control. And praise God, He's not only going to be in control on that day, hear this, he's in control on this day. He's ruling and reigning on high. And these things are going to unfold according to scripture when he says, now. Now's the time. Now again, we know that he delays his time. He delays this not wanting any to perish. He wants to see people get saved. But know this as well. 
As we read in 1 Peter 3, look at verse 9. The Lord is not slack concerning his promise. Because some people think, oh, the Lord's never coming back. No, he's coming back. And you might think he's slack, but he is not. Absolutely, he delays his coming. Or as it says here, he's long-suffering towards us, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. Again, God is the great judge, but God is also the great Savior. And he's wanting people to come to Christ. And this is why, again, we need to be a, be, be a people about sharing the gospel of Christ. He says, and I heard one of the four living creatures saying with a voice like thunder, come and see. Now, we've talked about these four creatures. And the one thing we really focused in on is that they are living creatures. They are vibrant with life. And the reason they're vibrant with life is because they are four living creatures that are continually around the throne of God. You want to get vibrant with life? Get near the Lord Jesus Christ. Get near the throne of God. Be a worshiper of the Lord. Be one in the word of God. Be a woman or a man of prayer. Be like Mary who sat at the Lord's feet while Martha ran around complaining about Mary being at the Lord's feet. I remember the Lord said, Mary's chosen the better thing. And it's not that Mary didn't ever get up and serve. But when Mary did serve, talking about Mary and Martha, the sisters, she was able to serve well and with vibrancy in life because she was near the throne of God. Maybe tonight you feel like life's being sucked out of you. Maybe you feel like life's coming in on you, you know, like a, like a, you know, like a, a vice on both sides trying to squeeze, you know, the life out of you. Get near the throne of God. Get on your face before the Lord. If you got burdens, don't pray about them. Pray through them. Don't get up out of that prayer closet until you know you've laid them down, be laid them down before Him. Be a man or woman of worship and praise, thanksgiving. Listen, on a bad day, the best thing you can do is step back and start counting your blessings and giving thanks to your God. And then, of course, absolutely, it is imperative that we are a people in the Scriptures. God wants to speak to you every single day. And you can hear his voice with total clarity. Open up God's word. It is God's love letter to us as the Holy Spirit moved upon holy men to give us his holy word. So he hears one of the four living creatures saying, notice, with a voice like thunder. And listen, thunder, as we've seen, is always a precursor to a storm. And there's a storm that's about to happen. A voice of thunder also is a voice of authority. And this angel is a, one of God's messengers with God's message and that always should be spoken with authority and absolutely as we are called to proclaim God's word when we rightly divide it, we need to speak it with authority and that also means no apologies. And it sickens me how many Christians today or they go with that title are running around apologizing for God's word. Hear this. God doesn't need any PR men. God doesn't need some clowns to come along and, you know, clean up his word to make it palatable for a world that's saying, we're not interested in Jesus Christ. We might not understand all of Scripture, but we should never be ashamed of Scripture because it is God's word, it's God's heart, and it's God's mind. And I think one of the greatest, you know what, hindrance today that's on the church is that there's a lack of standing up and proclaiming God's message with authority. You think of Samuel in 1 Samuel 3, 19, he was a prophet, and it says none of his words fell to the ground. In other words, he spoke with an authority, with an anointing from the Lord. I think about Jesus, and it says, they were astonished at his teaching, for his word was with authority. And remember, the Lord said, greater works than these you will do. I would believe one of those would be that we are called to proclaim the gospel with an authority. And then we read in Hebrews 4.12, the word of God is living and it is powerful. There's no other message that is living and powerful like the word of God. And so remember that. Remember that in your day-to-day -day life when you have conversations and interactions and so forth. And listen, speaking with authority... It doesn't necessarily mean screaming at people or, you know, getting them on the chest. Get that. It, it, it's just speaking God's word with a confidence. With the power of the Holy Spirit. 
which will pour out of us when we are a people that are near to the throne. And then he says, he says to John, come and see. In other words, come and see what the lamb is doing. He's pointing John to Jesus. Again, another great lesson for us. Did you realize Revelation has so many lessons for day-to-day living? He points John to the Lamb. We're called to point people to the Lamb, to what he's doing, to what he's done, and also, as we're doing tonight, what he is going to do. And again, in all of it, should center around the gospel of Jesus Christ, his death and resurrection for our sins and salvation found only through him. Now, again, he says, come and see. I would say that, you know what, this is telling John, you need to come and look. Don't look away. And this is important because when it comes to end times things, again, when it talks to, when it comes to the book of Daniel and Revelation, the Olivet Discourse, when Jesus asked the question, what will be the sign of the coming and the end of your end of the age? There are so many people, they just say, look away. La, 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 don't want to hear that. Don't talk to me about these things. And a lot of people even get even nasty about it. They get upset if you start talking about such things. God hasn't called us to choose ignorance. We're not to be ignorant of these things. We're not called to look away. The Lord says, come and see. And here's the thing again in Christ. You need not fear. The Lord says, don't let your heart be troubled. Come and look. Come and see. Jesus will go with you. The Lord wants us to understand what's going to happen. Again, Isaiah 46.10, it says, He declares the end from the beginning. He does that in scriptures. Why does He do that? For us not to read it? No, so as to read it and to be aware of it. Listen, especially when it comes to His second coming. Shared this before. There's five times more prophecies about the Lord's second coming than His first coming. And guess what? He came the first time. He wants us to be observing and discerning the times. He says, come and see. Jesus said to the Pharisees and Sadducees, you know what, here he is at his first coming right before them, and they're oblivious to it. And he said to him, Matthew 16, 3, it says, you, you say uh, it will be foul weather today, for the sky is red and threatening. And he says, hypocrites, you know how to discern the face of the sky, but you can't discern the signs of the times. God's called us to discern the sign of the times. He said in Luke 21, 28, now when you see these things begin to happen, look up and lift your heads because your redemption draws near. And this is again in that all of a discourse when he talks about disturbance in the heavens and in the heavenlies. And boy, there's a lot of that in the news right now, is there not? Disturbances in the heavenlies. He talks about wars and rumors of wars and deception and again, hatred in the earth, the love of many growing cold, all these things. And he tells us to again, Look up when we see these things happening that the Lord said would be happening before the end of the age. He says, look up because your redemption is getting closer. And I'll tell you, these things are happening at a rapid, rapid rate. I got a lot of stuff I wanted to talk about that's happening. And I, I don't I don't know if I'll have the time to do that, but just very, very quickly. I don't know if you guys know right now, but right now in South Africa, it's a nation that's getting ripped apart. I know it's very easy to go, well, that's way down there. That doesn't affect us here. It is getting ripped apart because there's been an effort there to divide people based on melanin in their skin. Based on the colors of their skin. It's a great effort that Satan has had since the fall of man to try to, you know, have people have hatred in their heart towards others because of the color of the skin and this thing has been fueled really by a communistic agenda that is at work in all of the world right now it's massively at work in our nation right now and as a result of that there are cities in south africa right now where the police have completely backed off from the rioting i've seen many of the pictures it looks like what you would see after a zombie apocalypse walks through with just everything torn to pieces, looting and smashing and rioting. And then on the other hand, where the police have abandoned the situation, individuals that are being threatened with this rioting 
going out with guns and whips and kill their people dead in the streets there right now. People getting caught and videos of them being whipped with whips. I mean, this is just something that is like next level out of control. And you need to know tonight that that's a blueprint for what these communist, socialistic Marxists are trying to do in our country right now. A hundred percent. And remember, Jesus said one of the signs of his return will be wars and rumors of wars kingdom against kingdom nation against nation and the word kingdom there is ethnos or ethnos or ethnicity it's very sad we talked about last week how there's one blood jesus said that we all come from one blood listen we're all brothers and sisters in adam and when you come to christ we're brothers and sisters in jesus christ but i'll tell you there's a wicked one that wants to stir up divisions however he can and this stuff is not only happening there, but all around the world. And then just real quickly here, I got a lot of concerns right now concerning vaccine passports and this push to have to have papers to do anything. I don't want to divide over this. I know some people think this vaccine's the greatest thing since sliced bread. I think they got the Johnson and Johnson on this side and they got the, you know what, the, the Pfizer on the other one. I mean, they'll just swear up and down about it. You want to say anything. It's like, how dare you say anything? I've been watching CNN all day. I make jokes sometimes, so. But it's frightening no matter what your view on that is. And I hope that we would be a church that we unite around Jesus Christ. And we wouldn't divide over vaccination. I know there's a ton of people here that, 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 uh, you know what, they haven't been down to the doctors yet. But I got very, I'm very concerned when you see in France right now, and I don't got time to read all the articles or even all the headlines, but basically they are pushing for in August, you have to have your papers, not just to go to a bar or sporting event, but to go to any store, to go to any cafe, to do anything. This is very reminiscent of Nazi Germany. Very reminiscent. Because here's the thing. If, if you believe in that and so forth and you get that, then you should be fine. You should be totally fine. And if that's not the case, you might have been hoodwinked. I'm just saying, I, I know that, you know, it's some of, that's not science. Well, I think that's how that's supposed to work. And then listen to this, the who, we've heard a lot about the who, haven't we? The World Health Organization. They decreed this week that if your child is enrolled in public school, that counts as implied consent for vaccination. So if your six-year-old is in school and they have, you know what, their day, and they say, would you like to get that? And as a parent, you're like, kids don't die from this. Please understand, kids don't. Kids don't even transmit it. That's actual real science. But we're going to give them this shot. You have no say in it. They're like, well, you know, that won't happen in America. That's happening right now in the District of Columbia. The French government's decided they want to force all adults 25 to 59 to be forcibly, forcibly vaccinated. And Spain has proposed a national security law to allow the government to seize private property during any declared health crisis. You're like, well, that's all out there. I think we all know about Joe Biden's handlers telling us, you guys didn't get that joke, right? <laughs> that they're going to start going door to door. Listen, man, if you want to get the thing, go get it. You're a grown adult. But if someone doesn't want to, step off. I mean, step off, especially if it's supposed to protect you. And if it doesn't protect you, then that's a problem, isn't it? We know there's a great effort to move towards individuals that choose not to get that to be labeled domestic terrorists. You see it all over social media. You're killing people and whatnot is what they say. The FBI is putting out many messages encouraging Americans 
to snitch on their neighbors and on their family members that are showing signs of extremism. Now, that's one thing if you like, no, dude's like got all this like Nazi propaganda and he's building bombs in his basement. But here's the problem. What is extremism? For many, it is what we're doing here tonight. We're a bunch of extremists. The things that I'm saying here tonight, oh, that's hate speech. No, I'm not buying that. And here's the thing. And listen, again, we need to be united in Christ. But at this point, I know this is where some people say, but Steve, this is saving lives. So it's okay for them to require these things because it saves lives. I question that. Because this thing, again, has a 99.9% survival rate. Again, we've seen people that have passed from this have underlying conditions. They're elderly and so forth. In fact, there's a governor in New York who just kept packing senior citizens into homes and it killed about 15,000 of them. He's a murderer. But here's the thing. The CDC. The CDC. This isn't like. The wacky anti-vax, you know, blog, the CDC, the Centers for Disease Control. This is from, well, I'll just read it. According to the Center of Disease, the CDC, more people died from the vaccine than died from COVID-19 last week in the USA. Last week, the CDC reported 6,985 deaths since the vaccine started being given. And this week, the number jumped 2,043 to 9,048. Also last week, there were 1,505 COVID-19 deaths in the United States. In some, 1,505 COVID deaths compared to 2,043 vaccine deaths. This is the CDC. This isn't Pastor Steve, you know, trying to, you know, oh, there he goes, you know what? The CDC, this is like facts. Most people actually think the number is about 10 times that, or a lot of people that, that are like, it's actually about 10 times that. Because that's generally the case in reporting of vaccine deaths. I'm, I'm just, just sharing here things that have been documented. It also says that there's also been in America 411,931 adverse reactions. Here's the thing, listen. You can read about this stuff, but as a pastor, I interact with a lot of people. I'm doing memorial services for people who died from this. I'm getting phone calls from people saying, my daughter got this. She hasn't had her menstrual, menstrual cycle in two months. I have a two-year-old that was exposed to someone with this. They started their menstrual cycle. This stuff's happening all over the place. The young people are calling it the clot shot. And I thank God for them. A lot of them are saying they're seeing what's happening. There's over 300 young men that have died from this, from blood clots, from taking this shot. That's more than every, every number in the world added up that died from a COVID-19, again, in that age group. I'm not trying to divide here, but I got questions because... In past, it takes 10 to 15 years to approve one of these things. And any time in past when 25 people died, they immediately pulled the plug on it. Th this, is, this is factual things. What's going on with this? What's the agenda behind this? Again, we know it's actually not a vaccine. It's gene therapy that manipulates DNA. These are facts here. I, I'm not trying to hurt feelings. I'm not trying to call anyone out. I'm not trying to make a division. But I got to say something because I'm going to give an account before God. It, it's, it's what I need to do. And God pressed it on my heart because, again, the Lord said we're supposed to observe and discern the times. I'll leave this at this. There's three countries on earth that declined the COVID vaccine. Their president said we're not going to have that here. It was the president of Haiti. Tanzania and Burundi all three of them have died we know the president of Haiti was assassinated they're three black men what do they have in common 
There were three presidents that said, we're not going to have this here. And immediately afterwards, they were dead. You're a conspiracy theorist, Steve. No, I learned about algebra and how to do equations in school. And A plus B equals C. I know what B and C is. What's A? What's the commonality? Three presidents have said not here. And then the equaling, they're dead. I'm just throwing it out there. Listen, in better news, the gays announced we're coming for your children. <laughs> you guys probably heard it. This is rank wickedness. Look, at if you're an adult, you want to choose that. That's the lifestyle you want to choose. You're, you're free to choose that. But listen, the Lord said, as in the days of Son of Man, it will be like the days of Sodom. And they put this thing out so boldly, we're coming for your children. We're going to convert your children. You know, four of the guys in that choir are registered sex offenders. And one is a registered sex offender for molesting a child under 14 years old. That's a fact. It's a product, 100% of compromised Christianity. And pastors not wanting to stand up and preach truth because they're ashamed of it. I've seen it firsthand. Look at I've taught about this forever and done it apologetically. Sin is sin. It needs to be repented of. But I don't know over the years how many people left this church because they said, Steve, you can't talk about that. That's not loving. Can't talk about it. You're unloving, Steve. You're not loving. You can't talk. You can't talk about that sin. The Bible talks about it. Scripture doesn't say not to talk about that. In fact, I would stand on the position to not talk about it's not loving. Because the Lord says these things need to be repented of. It also says the Lord will forgive these things and the Lord will make you a new creation in Christ Jesus. This just goes on and on and on. Look at, again, my aim in this is not to bring a division. My aim is to bring out things that we see going on in the world that seems to be pushing again for a you need to do this to be able to buy and sell. If anything, it seems to be a precursor that is preparing the world for a time when they say you can't buy or sell unless you take you know at this mark which we'll get into later in revelation i don't even know if we're going to finish two verses here in fact i know that we're not so instead of just trying to cram four more pages of notes and we've gone through two i'll just read verse two and we'll set things up for next week he says i looked and behold a white horse so the first seal is broken he sees a white horse and you sat on it had a bow and a crown was given to him and he went out conquering and to conquer that word means to subdue so the first seal is broken this individual comes forth on a white horse and I'll just throw it out there. Next week, next week we're going to see this individual as the Antichrist. He comes as an angel of light. He's the one who the Lord said, you don't receive me, but there's going to be one after me who comes in his own name and him you're going to receive. He's going to bring the covenant that we read about in Daniel 9 with Israel and her neighbors, you know, at seemingly bringing peace to the world. We're going to see how the world's going to rejoice saying peace and safety. But it's a false peace. Listen, when the Lord breaks that seal, they're going to think it's a blessing, but it's God's wrath. God's saying, I'm stepping back. There's going to be no restraints. You want an antichrist to lead you? I'm going to give you this man to lead you who absolutely will be in cahoots with Satan himself. And then immediately after that, we're going to see sudden destruction comes upon them. We probably, maybe we'll get into the second seal next week. It says peace then is immediately taken from the earth. And that's how we know he conquers with words and a covenant, not with a sword or a bow and arrow, but instead a rainbow type covenant. Because in the second one, peace is taken and then begin to rise up and butcher or slaughter one another. So we'll get into that next week. I'm not going to cram that in. You know, I would hope tonight in the midst of this, that we, we would leave here, again, not, 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 again, doing anything, but uniting in Christ, hopefully wanting to discern the times and not bury our head in the sand. A lot of people, again, they don't want to talk about this stuff. They just want to bury their head in the sand. And 
This is what I encourage you to do, no matter where you are, no matter what you're doing, draw near to the Lord. And trust in the Lord in these things and look to the Lord. Um, again, like those four living creatures, get near to the throne of God. Can't go wrong doing that. Getting near to the throne of the Lord. And so, Heavenly Father, we praise you and give you glory. We thank you for your word. We thank you for your great love for us, God. I just thank you for the finished work of the cross, Lord. And it is just my hope that every believer here tonight would draw near to you, God. They put their eyes on you. Lord, they absolutely would be found giving thanks to you, abounding in you, God. And Lord, we be a people looking to you, looking to your word. You haven't called us to look away. You haven't called us to be ignorant. You've called us to discern the times. And Lord God, I just look around here and I just have to think if the Lord doesn't intervene soon, this can't sustain itself in the pattern and the direction it's going in. So Lord, grant us again a great grace and mercy. Lord, take away fear and absolutely replace it with abundance of faith in you. And listen, as we close here tonight, let me just ask you, have you asked Jesus to be your Lord and Savior? Have you called on his name? That's the most important thing. Is he your Lord? Have your trust in him and him alone as the one who's atoned for your sins, as the one who absolutely is your Savior, your God, and your King? Well, let me tell you, the Bible says whoever will call upon the name of the Lord will be saved. It doesn't say they might be saved. They will be saved. And that is an act, again, of repentance. It's an act of turning from our own lordship and putting our trust in Jesus Christ to be the Savior, the Lord of our life. And he'll meet you where you're at. It doesn't matter, you know what, what's in your past, what's even in your present. It's a matter of coming to him and getting right with God, becoming a disciple, a follower of Jesus Christ. And again, getting in that place where you're covered by his grace. If that's you calling him tonight, absolutely. Ask him to wash you, to forgive you, to be your savior. And listen, then I'd encourage you to, to make it known, to tell others that this church, it's our aim to point one another to the Lord. And again, we'd always invite you to come and join us in doing that. So Lord, bless the rest of our evening here, our fellowship with one another. And just want to ask and pray these things in Jesus Christ's mighty name. And we said together, amen. God bless you.